efforts there. All right. We're jumping in the book of Revelation. As you, uh, as we jump in, I'm going to encourage you, you can open up to chapter four, where we're going to be this week in chapter four, and we're going to start with the reminder that we started every week with, as we're approaching the book of Revelation, the question that, that we're at answering for this series is, what do I do with this book? What do I do with this book? Last week we talked about like you might be a Revelation ninja and you're like, I know this book inside and out. But, but if you're just like a regular Christian, this is what I'd say about me like years ago. I was just vanilla, man. I was just a normal Christian dude. I, I, what do I do with Revelation? I don't know what to do with this book. I, I, what do I do with it? And that's how we're approaching it. What do we as just, you know what? I'm not like an expert in Revelation. What do I do with this book? That's what we're gonna be approaching this weekend. Now, I will say this. If you've been around church for just a little bit and you've ever heard anything out of the book of Revelation, it's likely part of what we're going to be talking about this week. It's likely you've heard uh, some of the words that we're going to talk about as lyrics in song. It's likely that you, if you've heard anyone quote something out of the book of Revelation, because we in ministry love to go in here, rob these little parts and use them uh, to, to, as an encouragement in worship, because what we're going to look at this week in Revelation 4 and 5 is probably the most profound picture of worship in all of Scripture. So if you uh, are wondering, as I walk out of this, this weekend, what's the thing that I'm supposed to take away? It is this. Jesus is worthy of my worship. And you're like, duh, Dave. Yeah, all right, is that all you got? Is that, is that it? If, if you've been around for like a minute, you like know that, like Jesus is worthy of my worship. Okay, great, let's move on. No, uh, what we're looking to do isn't to give you some new truth, but to drive deeper this truth. Jesus really is worthy of your worship. And when I say your worship, I, I, I'm talking about all of your worship, all of your life. Now, one thing that we do a lot when we talk about worship, we make the case that worship is far more than singing because worship is far more than singing. But I, here's, here's this week's caveat. It's not less than that. It's not less than our singing. Some of us, especially guys, are like, ah, worship, I can worship Jesus in nature. Yes, you can but you can also worship Jesus with your voice, even if you can't sing like me, even if you can't sing. So it's not less than that. And often I, I, we let people off the hook and, and we gotta stop letting each other off the hook and saying, well, you know, whether or not you join in the singing, that really doesn't matter. It matters, why? Because God invented it. There's something significant that happens when God's people join together when we declare his praise in song. This isn't some modern concept. We just didn't come up with this. It wasn't like, you know, a few years ago, they're like, oh, hey, let's come up with music. Let's do that. This existed way before Jesus in the Old Testament. As we see the temple emerge, God paid people to, live, to lead worship. He had a whole group of people. Their living was made by leading worship in the temple. This isn't our idea. Music in the church, not our idea. It's God's idea that we would be a singing people with instruments and loud praise, clashing cymbals. You think drum kits are some kind of heretic instrument? No, loud cymbals, loud 
shout out worship, emotionally engaged worship. And you're like, well, that's not who I am. Well, get on God's program. Get over you. It's, why do I say that? It's not who I was. It's not who I was. And then I read the Bible and I'm like, this is what God's called us to be, to be engaged. I'm gonna tell you just straight up, I was crying like a baby and, 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 and just we were worshiping through music today. I'm like, where did that emotion come from? I don't cry like a baby like that. Well, I, 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 I don't do that. Just overwhelmed by the praise of God's people today. So as we jump in and we talk about Jesus being worthy of our worship, we gotta start by answering what is worship? What is worship? We talk, we use that word all the time, worship, 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 worship. And usually what people think is, well, you're talking about the singing part before the talking part where the guy goes, blah, 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 and then we get to go home. At least probably if you're a kid, you're like, okay, the singing part, the blah, blah, blah part, let's go home. No, it's all worship. So here's a basic definition, and I love this one. Worship is the reverential response of creation to the all-encompassing magnificence of God. If you want to know the the theme of Revelation 4 and 5, it is the all-encompassing magnificence of God. I love that phrase. All of creation crying out in worship in response to the all-encompassing magnificence of God. Throughout the Bible, we get, we get pictures, we get glimpses of, of visions, right, that, that the prophets give us of worship in the heavenly realm. One of those we get through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, and each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the heart of who we are as people, we were made to worship. As we think back to the book of Genesis, as we went through the book of Genesis, as we went through creation, we we learned that that at the heart of who we are, we were made to live in relationship with the God who made us, and that relationship has its basis in worship, that we would be a people who worship the God who created us to worship him. It's the whole point of creation. God's story is, is, is if he, God wasn't God, if he was a human being, you might call him a narcissist because God is all about God. He's all about him and his glory being revealed in order that we would be a people who rightly declare his praise. Now, That's why the world has a counter strategy and the world offers unlimited worship options. That's the struggle we're all in. You may have heard it said before that, that, that people are out there searching because there's a void in their heart. They, they people, like, I know there's something more. I'm searching for something more. I can't seem to find what I'm looking for, you two said, right? I, I keep looking, but I can't find it. And that thing that they're searching for, that, that hole that people sometimes say that we have in our heart that only God can fill, it is a worship hole. It is a worship void, 
And so people go searching, searching, searching in order to fill that void. Where can I fill that desire that's built within us, that's hardwired within us as humanity to worship? And you'd be like, oh, do I really have that? Think about all the stuff that you wanna pursue in your world, and that's called worship. Now, the world's options, there's really obvious ones. Okay, there's, there's fame, that's, that's an obvious one. There's, there's notoriety, there's money, right? There's power, there's sex. There's those things that people go, okay, those are kind of obvious pursuits that, that people pursue in false worship. But I, I wanna suggest to you that there's one that's far more subtle and far more dangerous. And that is the freedom to be whoever you want to be. That sounds good, doesn't it? You're free to be whoever you want to be. You're free to be whoever you want to be. I like the sound of that. The problem is, it's a lie. And, and the problem we face is that the lies that are obvious lies, they're not dangerous. We can see them from a mile away and go, I know there's no hope in that, even though sometimes I... I might lie to myself and be like, okay, money might fix all my problems. Money fixes nothing. Look at rich people. It fixes nothing. But freedom to be who I want to be? I hold that one really close. Here's the truth, okay? And, and you'd be like, it's a nuance, but it's a really important nuance. You're free to be whoever Jesus made you to be. You're free to be the new creation Christ made you to be. That's the real freedom that we have in Christ, to be exactly who God made us to be. I'm free to be the worshiper Jesus created me to be. You're free to be the worshiper Jesus created you to be. And that is far more powerful than just go be whoever you wanna be. Our reminder as followers of Christ, I have to remind myself of this all the time. Jesus is worthy of my worship. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna jump in here in chapter four. We're gonna read a lot of text today. We just are, okay? Because this is an amazing story. Now, as we pick up here at the end of chapter three, we remember that it, this was a, a circular letter that was written to seven actual churches that, that um, was read aloud, that it was, it was read out loud in these seven churches. And we talked about last week that this message is one that is for us to this day because the message of the book of Revelation is for the church in every generation. And so here's the transition in chapter four. After this, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice, which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald." Around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder, and before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was one, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind, the first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. 
And the four living creatures, each of them had six wings, are full of eyes all around and within, and day and night they never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. As we get started, I want to acknowledge there's a lot going on here. And so if you have your bulletin, look on the back. And in the bottom, we have a glossary. And this week, we gave you a lot of terms. But they they come with a caution. So there's a lot of little uh, symbol translation there for you. but, But there's a couple of cautions that we want to start just about the book of Revelation this week. And that is, first of all, we, we want to make sure that we understand that we as readers today approach the book of Revelation with a handicap. We don't speak Old Testament prophecy very well. Now, John's audience in the day in which he wrote this letter, they spoke Old Testament prophecy. They, they understood the references. And so if you look there at the, at the top of the glossary, there, there's three uh, Old Testament prophecy references that if you go and read those and be like, if you were familiar with the imagery that's portrayed in those visions, you'd be like, oh, the book of Revelation isn't so scary after all. If you speak Old Testament prophecy, if you understand that symbols are meant to be symbols, symbols are meant to be symbolic, right? We learned that a few weeks ago. Symbols are meant to be symbolic. It's not supposed to be like overwhelmingly scary. There's there's an emotion that's supposed to be tied to it. But if I speak symbolic language, it ceases to be scary and starts to be a, a wonderful picture of the glory of God. So as as we approach this, we need to remind ourselves, okay, wait, I I need to become familiar. I don't have to be an expert. I don't have to dig deep. I just have to go, okay, wait, there's something more here that's going on, and and I need to know that it's not just about figuring out how something could have eyes, that many eyes, all the way around it. What are all those eyes about? There's also comes with a second caution. Sometimes people think that if I just understand what every symbol means, then I'll be able to unlock the passage and I'll understand it. So if you just work your way through and you, and you try and figure out what each symbol is so that you can unlock the secret code and finally understand what's going on, you have missed it. There's a lot of people who spend a lot of time studying the book of Revelation. I'm just going to give you my opinion. They're missing the forest for the trees. They're so in the details that they're missing the vision because this is supposed to be an overwhelming vision of God. And so uh, visions are meant to be read as wholes and not microanalyzed. And that's the reason why we're taking this in big chunks As we're going through these two chapters, it's about the totality of the vision. And as we move forward, it's going to continue to be about the totality of each scene that we will look at from week to week. So that requires that we cover large chunks. 
Once again, the goal isn't that you would become an expert in the book of Revelation. The goal is you would know what to do with this book. And and in these two chapters, it's to know Jesus is worthy of my worship. It's the whole point of two chapters. Jesus is worthy of my worship. The whole vision has a message. As we look at this vision, the first message is this. The church is filled with the glory of God revealed through Jesus. Now, here's, here's uh, where I get that. Some of you are like, what? What's that have to do with this? As we read here, and we read about the 24 thrones and the 24 elders, for years and years and years, I thought it meant uh, something. I thought that that was referring to, you have the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, you have the 12 disciples who become the 12 apostles. Yeah, they're Judas. He was out. There's a new guy in. Okay, there's 12 apostles in the end. So you have 12 and 12. That's 24. Super simple. They're the 24 elders. Now, there's something you got to know about me, all right? If you haven't figured out, I love to learn that I was wrong about stuff. You may be totally uncomfortable with that. The other thing about me is I love to to live in the tension of I don't know. When I discovered, this was probably about mm, 17, 18 years ago, that it's okay to say, I don't know. I don't know. When it comes to studying the Bible, the question, I I don't fully understand it. I don't know. Now, I have a friend of mine. He is not good with that. He wants to know. In fact, saying, yeah, we don't know. Could be this, could be that. He's like, ah, it totally makes me uncomfortable. How can we not know? Because it's not the point of the story. And so if we were supposed to know exactly who these elders were, guess what we would have? It would tell us. And so what we're gonna hold on tightly to is every time that there's a symbol in the book of Revelation that's defined for us, we're gonna hold on tightly. And every time there's a symbol that's not totally defined for us, we're gonna hold on loosely. We're gonna hold that one with an open hand and go, well, we think this is what it is, but maybe not. And this week, I I did that with the 24 elders. I went from, oh yeah, that's who they are, to maybe not. Maybe, and it's because I I, I study people that I respect and go, well, this person has has a compelling case that maybe it's those people, but maybe this is a priestly class in the heavenly realm, kind of like angelic beings, but they're leading all of creation in worship. In this vision, it's, it's people, it's the, the priestly class leading all of creation in worship. And here's what I came down with. It's not about who they are. That's where we wanna focus. Just tell me who they are. That's what I wanna know. No, it's about what they're doing It's about all of creation is joining in worship. And so these now represent all of God's people joining in. And that's why I would say it's about the church, all of God's people. The people today that are God's people walking on this earth are called the church, okay? Talking about big seed church, everyone who has life in Christ. All of God's people who have life in Christ are called the church. And they... they, together are filled with the glory of God revealed through Jesus. And then as we take a look at this first section here in in chapter four, we're reminded that creation alone is motivation to worship Jesus. If you wanna go, okay, why should I worship Jesus? Creation alone, as we remember back to the series we did in Genesis, we're reminded creation alone is reason to worship God. We don't need more than that. The fact that God has made us 
Okay, and I'm not just talking about nature when I talk about creation. I'm not talking about less than nature when I talk about creation. I'm talking about the fact that God is the author of life. God created you to be a worshiper of his. That is enough of a reason to worship Jesus. Paul wrote about this to the church in Colossae when he said, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. If you remember back to our series in Revelation, we talked about if you wanna talk about God, the creator, he has a name, his name is Jesus. Scriptures are clear. God, God created by speaking, and the word became flesh. He became a man, the God-man, Jesus. And so everything that was made was made by him and for him, and that alone is reason to worship. And yet many people say, I need more than that. Yeah. And the good news is, there's more. Here we go, chapter five. Then I saw in the right hand, uh, right hand, sorry, of him who was seated on the throne, a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seal? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because there was no one found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. He sees a bloody lamb. With seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding up a harp and the golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and by your blood, you ransomed people for God. From every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and glory and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Jesus is worthy of our worship. Why? Redemption is inspiration to worship and follow Jesus. In, in case creation isn't enough, redemption is. 
Redemption is enough to inspire our worship, not out of obligation, but out of gratitude going, I can't believe it. That, that my brokenness, that sin brought into my world has been paid in full by Jesus and that I get to join in with all of creation in declaring his praise. Why? Jesus is worthy because he alone paid the price for sin. Now, the, the picture of, of worship in the early church, it's it's found in Acts as we look at the beginning of the book of Acts, as we see the followers of Jesus, that, what did they focus on? They, they focused on the apostles' teaching. They, they're like, it's really important that we would have solid teaching. And we saw last week as we looked at the churches, it's really important. Jesus says it's really important that you would have solid teaching, that you would understand the, the scriptures. And they also talked about it. They got together in community. They needed each other. Why did they need each other? Because the the being a follower of Christ was very difficult in the world in which they lived. They were coming out of Judaism. They were forming something that later on became known as Christianity, as followers of Christ. They were members of something originally called the way. They, they were seen as people who were heretics, and, and, and then they were persecuted, and they, they really needed each other to understand what it meant to, to know and follow Jesus. They engaged in worship and they engaged in sharing the reminder of Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection through uh, what we call uh, communion or the Lord's Supper. And they prayed together. That's what they did. They, they were joined together as God's people declaring God's praise. Now, I wanna make sure that 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 you don't miss that worship for God's people together, it's a thing. It's a thing. You just don't come here on the weekend because that's a nice thing to do so you could be a better person. I'm gonna go all the way there, okay? You've heard this before. But you walk out the door and you say, I got nothing out of it, you have missed the point. It went right over your head because worship isn't about you. I love you enough to tell you that. It's not about you. And that allows me to get over me. It allows me to sing horribly right here. And it, like, okay, it's also why I like, I like the music up here because if I can hear me, I don't like that. So I start to swing quieter. So as we think about the things in our life that inspire us, what, what inspires you to do stuff? This week, I, I remembered back to uh, being in high school. I had somebody once be like, could you quit telling high school stories? That happened so long ago in your life. And I'm like, dagger in my back. Seriously, you would say that to me? I have other stories, but this one's funny. I was, I, I was a sophomore in high school and uh, uh, our, uh, our best quarterback, our two best running backs, they all quit the team. And all of a sudden, the coach is like, uh-oh, we need a quarterback. Hey, let's try you. So I'm like, oh, okay, let's give that a whirl. And I step under center, and I'm like, down, <laughs> set. My coach is like, whoa, 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 whoa. That will never do. How are you going to get one of those cheerleaders to go out with you if you're going down, set? 
So he comes back and, oh, you got it. You got to sound like a man. I'm like, okay, down, sit, right? He inspired me to change. No, that's not, he shamed me is what he did. That is not the kind of inspiration that we're talking about. We're talking about that person who calls you to something more. That person that you're like, okay, wow, I, I did better because. I, I, I went further because. The redemption that we have in Christ inspires us to go further in our worship than we ever thought. In singing, yes, but also in incorporation in, in just every single area of life. Because that's what we saw in the early church. They didn't just come together and gather. They also started to incorporate worship as a concept in the day in, the day out. Paul wrote about that to the church in Rome when he writes, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, that you would present your life on the throne, that you would lay down your life, that you would present it before God, that you would say, hey, day in, day out, I want my life to be about worship of the King of Kings. Now, here in chapter five, we see a theme that's gonna emerge, that's gonna carry us through the rest of the book. And this theme is God's salvation comes through judgment. That's what we see here in chapter five. God's salvation comes through a lamb, the final sacrificial lamb. Here, the reference is directly to the Old Testament, the Passover lamb, that, that the final Passover lamb became a bloody lamb as he was sacrificed. His name is Jesus. He was sacrificed to pay for your sin. God's judgment was poured out on that final sacrifice in order that it wouldn't be poured out on you. That's a reason to worship. God's judgment was poured out on Christ so it wouldn't be poured out on you, and that's gonna carry us now. It also is the reason for what's gonna unfold as we're gonna talk about God's judgment from chapter six through chapter 20. It's also an argument that, that Jesus is worthy to judge the world. Why? Jesus has provided salvation. So Jesus is worthy to judge the world. The perfect and final sacrificial lamb endured the judgment of God. And, and then we're reminded as we, we continue on in, in Paul's letter to the church in Colossae that he is before all things and in him all things hold together and he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead that in everything he might be preeminent. In what? In everything he might be preeminent for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven making peace by the blood of his cross. When we think about what we give our lives to, what we invest our time, talent, treasure in, when we think about that, there's only one logical response. When I understand who Jesus is, the only logical response is worship. If I just think about it logically, if I just go, oh wow, everything that the world says will provide happiness is false. It used to be the security of a 401k stock market. It used to be what? It used to be that, that you could, you know, home ownership. It used to be that, that you could grow up and, and own a home. And this generation's been like, ah, I don't want that. I want experience. And guess what this generation is gonna figure out? No matter how many vacations you take, they end. 
and you're right back in your life. Boy, that was a fun week, two weeks, whatever you can afford. Now you're just broke and living at home. Experience is gonna prove to be empty. Only worship of the king. And then all of a sudden, I can enjoy the vacation. It's not about not going on vacation. It's about perspective. And all of a sudden, I'm like, wow, if I know that this isn't about my happiness, that this isn't going to fulfill, that it's my worship of the God who made me to worship, all of a sudden, all the stuff in the world becomes enjoyable. The people in my world, the, the stuff that I do, my, my work, and I go, okay, wait, as I start to incorporate worship into my day in, day out, and it's not just about, oh, I sang a song and then I went to work. No, how did I start to see my work as an act of worship? How I interact with my boss, how I interact with my employees, how I interact with my coworkers. I'm living out worship as, as God changes how I think and what I do that that can become my, my sacrificial worship to Jesus. So as you step into this week, here's what, we're gonna, here's what we're gonna do together, right? The first thing is to live it out. Now, when you get hit in this series, the first thing, okay, I'm gonna let you in a little clue. The first thing in this series is gonna be to live it out. Why? Because we're taking you through the book of Revelation, a chance for you to interact with this book in a daily kind of way in order that you would continue to learn more and more what you do with this book. And so the first next step is to live it out. That's just not the first thing that shows up on our board in sermon meeting. No, it's, it's how do I take a next step and further understanding what God is revealing. This week, it's about what God is revealing in his call to be a worshiper of the King of Kings. Now, there is two questions that we're gonna ask you to engage each day. And the first one is, ask Jesus this question. What area in my life are you calling me to worship? In other words, if you're a grandparent, are you going, okay, do I do these things just out of obligation because I have to be a grandparent and this is what I have to do because I'm supposed to do? Or, or do you see your grandparenting as a sacred obligation to, to point your grandkids towards Christ? Do you see that as an act of worship, and I'm not just trying to get your grandkids to believe what you believe. No, pointing them towards Christ so that they become worshipers of the King. Parents, same story. Do you see your parenting as an obligation to lead your kids into worship? Friends, do you see your relationships as an opportunity to lead your, your friends into worship? What area in your life, we already talked about, in, in your work, not just, hey, I, I, no, like, more than just, hey, I sang a song on my way, as I already said. No, how did I incorporate the way that I do my job, the way that I interact with the people in my workspace? How do we incorporate worship in all of the spaces where we live, work, and play? And then... Before you walk out of the house, each morning this week, pray this prayer. Jesus, you are worthy of my actions and thoughts today. Jesus is worthy. He's worthy of what you say and he's worthy of what you do. And then five minutes after you walk out of the house and you get in the car, remind yourself of that one. 
And when you show up at work, remind yourself again, Jesus, you're worthy of what I say and do. Jesus, you're worthy of what I say and do. You're worthy of what I say and do. Now what we're gonna do in every one of our venues is, is we're gonna stand and worship. And so I'm gonna hand it off to our venue pastors and give them a chance to come and, and lead every one of our venues in worship. Here in live, I'm gonna invite you to stand. And as you stand, um, here's what we're gonna do. We're, we're gonna go back and we're gonna sing a song. Uh, we introduced this song to you before the message in order that, that you'd become just a little bit familiar as we pour out our hearts in praise. That's what we're gonna do. God, we need your help even in this. Would you help us in this moment to worship? <laughs> 